House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I am Al Warren, Mr. David North Rose Killer Martino. <laughs> it's back. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back with all the names. All the names. And you posted all that review about the uh, new new Jason movie. Oh, yeah, uh, Michael Myers, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. They're all the same. Halloween Turn them upside ends. down, they look the same. Halloween ends, can we be so lucky? Oh, yeah, well, you know, it won't. <laughs> uh, this is going to be going on long past our lifetimes, mm. you know. Yes. Uh, another atrocious movie, <laughs> you know. And you were saying it's not so. There's not even a lot of really good killing in it either. No, good, good first scene. Yeah, first scene has a nice bone crunching scene, but then after that, it's kind of. Well, why didn't they just do that and then end it? I know that'd be perfect. Just put it on oh, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, put it on TikTok and run it as a video. That's that's uh, perfect. You're a genius, Al. I am. I tell you, I need to be running this. I'll make Jason or Michael Myers, whatever. They're all the same. They're the same, yes. You know, it's just the same thing, mask or whatever. <laughs> anyway. Well, COVID's just about done. I've just about won. That's right. Just about. You sound, you sound like you've got some energy and you're ready to rock. Oh, it's just the caffeine. Don't, don't, don't buy into that. But, yeah, <laughs> no, the ears, the ears popped and, and things sort of are getting oh. better. And, you know. So, so no more of that, okay? Don't be passing around any more of that nastiness, okay? That's right. No more uh, bad. No more infecting you, Al. Yeah, well, anyway. From well, you know, at, yeah, at this point, um, we talk about nastiness and bad horror, so we've got a guest <laughs> <laughs> that writes horror. And uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll bring him out because he's got a new book out, and uh, the new book uh, is called A Child Alone with Strangers is a novel. So, Mr. Philip Rakasi, thank you for being here. Hey, Alan, thank you for having me. <laughs> we haven't had you yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was trying not to giggle the whole time you guys were talking because I didn't want to interrupt. But Well, you know, we've had, we've had people hang up on us. <laughs> so, you know, let's go with it. Right. Uh, so what's going on in Philip's life? Like, what is so bad about your life? that you have to write such horror stories? Um, nothing, man. I'm good. You know, uh, it's just uh, I'm, I'm, I write horror for the, for the thrill of it. Um, I find it incredibly fun and, uh, and uh, entertaining. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's like once you get the bug for it and once you get that first uh, rush of reading a horror, a great horror novel, or seeing a really scary horror movie, it's 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 like one thing you want to emulate that, and so I I have a lot of fun writing my my scary stories. Well, I'm not a professional at horror, um, so when I see a or read a book that's that's horror, I sort of kind of get um, I, I either like the real scary suspense part of it. Or I want the real slasher, blood and guts. Right. Like, you know, we just talked about, I know that Dave does reviews. He writes horror, and he does reviews on these movies. And, you know, like the new Michael Myers, it's, it's, it's not even 
it's not really a good story and it's not really a good good thing and then plus it's not even really violent or anything so i don't see any winners in this but um what to you is a good horror story like what what do you look for yeah it's it's interesting and i'm not a huge um slasher guy either you know as far as the fan of that kind of stuff I, i i watch it for fun but yeah i think for horror like first i think the genre of horror has unfortunately a lot of misconceptions for people who haven't read a lot of it or seen a lot of it movies you know they tend to think it's all like vampires and and serial killers or zombies or whatever and the reality is you know horror is a pretty wide range of fiction you know on the fiction side there's psychological horror there's supernatural thrillers with horror elements then there's like splatterpunk and there are you know the slashers and the tropes like vampires and and what have you but to me what makes a good horror book is the same thing that makes any book good which is that the characters have to live and breathe the reader needs to be able to empathize with the characters uh the interactions with the characters need to be you know uh you know interesting and and provocative and and then to me the plot comes next you know the the action the scares the thrills all that kind of comes next because if you don't buy into the characters then you're not really buying into all the other stuff or at least not as much and that's kind of like what you mentioned with you know for an example halloween ends is sometimes those movies don't really build the characters too much they're just all about kind of the fun and game sort of thing so i personally think a good horror novel is it's got to be you know characters that you invest in and then from there you know hopefully it's a it's you know a lot of fun and a lot of crazy good supernatural stuff happens but that's where i always start with my with my books anyway well what what got you into this um writing business and i and i say that not only just writing but writing the type of books that you do write like what you know were you out killing people and you decided maybe you should write about it or where, where did this where did this come from uh <laughs> no not yet um i so far my hands are clean but um you know well you know the writing bug struck me early you know i mean um you know when i was like in third grade i remember writing a short story on an assignment and i'd never written a story before and and, you know, the response was so great. You know, the other kids loved it and the teacher loved it and all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of like, you know, when an actor goes on stage and hears applause for the first time, it's like you realize, wow, this is pretty cool and it might even be something I'm sort of good at. And that's an exciting thing when you're a young kid. So I really, you know, I really got the bug early. And I, I've i been writing nonstop really ever since. And I've always read horror. Uh, you know, I grew up on Stephen King and Clive Barker and Dean Koontz and those guys. And so I was... You know, really, I really always enjoyed reading it, but I wasn't really um, writing a lot of it. You know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was writing, you know, what I would call non-genre fiction, you know, literary fiction, and I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. I had written three novels, I'd written 100 short stories, and I, and, um, and I wasn't getting any traction. And so around 2010, I started writing screenplays, and uh, oddly enough, I started writing for Disney, I started writing children's movies for Disney and ended up getting a credit on one of them, uh, a movie called uh, Santa Pups 2, or Santa Paws, Santa Pups 2, I think it is. And um, <laughs> and then I wrote a movie for Lifetime that was like more of like a ghost story. And so I started writing all these horror scripts and, um, you know, had meetings with like Blumhouse and CBS and, 
and nothing ever really took off. Um, and then it was just like one of those weird things. It was like this kind of epiphany. Uh, about 2014, 2015, I was like, well, shoot, man, maybe I should try writing some of this horror stuff as fiction instead of these kind of character-based uh, stories I've been writing. Um, and I wrote a short story called Mother. I had a friend of mine read it who was a horror author. Um, I sent it out to a small press. They bought it within a day. And that was my first published story. And then from there, it has been, um, I mean, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my bumps. I get like any new career where you're learning on the job or learning on the go. But since then, it's been kind of this like nonstop, you know, uh, you know, ride. And it's been great. And the last year or so, things have really kind of taken off. I've got some novels coming out now and I've made some bigger publishing deals. So it's really exciting. But that's kind of really why I started writing horror was it, it was, um, it was just something that kind of like sparked between what I was doing on the screenwriting side and then what I was doing um, on the writing side kind of coming together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how it just happens all of a sudden, eh? Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember the moment vividly. I was working for a marketing agency at the time, and I was walking around the block during lunch, and I was talking to my wife, and and I was frustrated because of this. I just gotten, um, I just gotten a pass from CBS on a pilot that I wrote, and I was sort of frustrated and I was sort of venting about it, and I was like, I just... I go, I'm just so sick of writing. <laughs> I'm so sick of writing screenplays. You know, I just, I don't love it. It's, um, it's all this work, and you have to like, and then you got actors telling you to change, you got directors telling you to change, you got producers telling you to change. It. And at the end of the day, it's not even, you know, it's, it's not art. It's, it's a, uh, it's structure. It's, it's a, uh, it's a foundation for which other people to build something, which is fine, and the money's good, but it's not. It didn't feel great to write it. It wasn't inspiring me. It wasn't fulfilling me. So yeah, I was talking to my wife, and I was like. And I just, I literally, it sounds ridiculous. I literally stopped in my tracks and was like, hold on a second. Why don't I start writing horror fiction and see how that goes? And it was this weird, like, lightning bulb moment. Were you high at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Not at that specific moment. No, I was at work, you know, so I was... Well, that doesn't mean anything. No, right. uh, no, I was, I was more, no, no, no. I was just kind of like downtrodden and frustrated. But, um, but yeah. Well, how was it for you transitioning between screenplays and uh, short and long fiction? There are three completely different approaches um, to those three things. What you just mentioned, screenwriting uh, is very much a technical skill. It's very much about structure. It's about you know beats and acts and character development and it has nothing to do with you know quote unquote writing or at least writing prose it's it's dialogue and action dialogue and action dialogue and action um and short stories are approached a little bit differently short stories um are more like almost uh, more, much more spontaneous and they're more like a little bit stream of consciousness that you kind of go with the flow of where your mind takes you when i start a short story i always have like an acorn of an idea and then I kind of let it grow in my brain. I kind of create. I see if I see if characters walk into the room and attach themselves to the, you know, to the idea. And if the characters walk in the room, then I kind of see what they're going to do. And all that stuff kind of takes place in my head. And then, and then I and then when I sit down to write, I always want to have an ending in mind. I never want to not know how it's going to end. But I, other than that, I don't really know how it's going to go. So it's basically this like core idea, and then I know where I'm. I know where the destination is, and that there's and me writing it is is, you know, the journey, and that can be, sometimes I think a story is going to be 
a couple thousand words and it ends up being 20,000 words. Sometimes I think it's going to be 20,000 words and it ends up being 5,000 words. So I try not to worry about that. I try just to let it flow naturally and then deal with all that stuff in the edits. A novel is sort of an amalgam of the two. It's structure, outlining, intensive, for me, intensive outlining, making sure I know exactly what all the beats are. I, I like to have every chapter outlined. And then, because when I start writing, I don't want to worry about what's going to happen next. A novel is an amalgam of the two. I structure it heavily, like I said. I do outlining, intensive outlining, chapter by chapter. I know what I'm going to do. And then when I sit down to write, I just want to write. I don't want to think about where I'm going, what's going to happen next. I just want to focus on the writing, the prose I want to write. You know, I want it to sound good. I want the characters to live and breathe. I want to focus on the dialogue. And I can't, you know, I can't do all this stuff and think about, like, what's going to happen next in the story. So, so it's, kind of a, it's kind of a combination of structure, and then, and then the, you know, that's the first heavy lifting part. And then, and then just writing is I'm focused on the prose and making sure it sounds, it sounds as good as I want it to. And, um, and so, yeah, so those are the three approaches I have to those three kind of different um, art forms. Sounds like the characters are important. Like you're, what's your relationship with your characters? So like in your new book here where you've got the uh, a child alone with strangers, you've got Henry Thorne. Um, what is your experience that you have when you're writing Henry Thorne? Well, Henry is an interesting character because he's a, he's a young kid. Um, I th he's nine in the book, and he goes through some very traumatic things, um, both supernaturally and not supernaturally. He uh, he he just you know he goes he has a you know the the book is really Henry's journey, and one thing that's interesting about writing kids is that they and one reason I kind of enjoy using kids sometimes in my stories is they have a response to things that is very different than an adult's response to things. For one, they're very resilient. For two, they, they're much more accepting of what's happening. You know, they're less questioning everything about, you know, if something very weird happens, you know, they're more accepting of it being a, a real possibility. And, and also they're, the way they're impacted emotionally to trauma and to things that happen to them is so fascinating because they're so, their emotions are so raw and innocent and you know once you turn that corner of innocence all that stuff kind of is is your response to all those kind of things is very different so when you're writing a child that's the main thing i focus on is not how would i re you know respond to something happening but how would a child respond to something happening in internally both psychologically emotionally you know intellectually what would their response be and and i and i don't you know i like henry you know henry is such a was such a wonderful character because he has this um, all these childlike char characteristics where he's so innocent and everything that happens to him is such a gut punch because you you you're cheering for the kid, but at the same time he's got like this sort of iron will you know he's he's strong and he does stuff that's courageous and brave and um, partly because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't, you know what I mean? He's not thinking about all the repercussions. He's just, he's just being him. And um, so he's a, he's a, was a really fun character to dive into. And, you know, it's a pretty diverse cast. You know, there's bad guys, there's villains, there's good guys, you know. Uh, and, but everybody has, I like to give all my characters a, a very, you know, three-dimensional 
casing. You know, the villains are not always bad people. They're not all, I mean, they're bad people, but they're not, you know, bad people through and through. And I try and emphasize little line, you know, silver linings about every character, even if it's a, a horrible villain, a murderer, because I want the reader to really connect with them and see how they maybe got where they've, where they've gotten to in life. And, and the heroes, you know, are also flawed, you know, just like real people are. And, um, so I really, I do, I get very invested in my characters, and I really want to make sure that they're living and breathing so that, because they carry the story. Ultimately, I don't carry the story as the writer. The characters carry the story. I'm just telling the reader what's happening. You know what I mean? So the characters are the ones who are living it. When, when you're writing these characters, do you have, I guess, an inner monologue in your, in your head, in your mind? Can, can you hear Henry? Can you hear other characters? Do you hear the prose? How do you experience that? Well, I think partly just because of the way I'm wired and also partly because of my screenwriting experience, I think very visually, which, mm. um, so, um, my, which, which, which plays into my descriptions of things, but I'm very, um, but I also with characters, to your point, I, I write what I see and I write what I hear. And so I do have these little plays going on in my head where I can see and hear, you know, what the characters are saying. And, yeah, they all have very unique voices. They all speak differently. You know, one guy in this book is Australian. Uh, you know, one guy is, has, you know, spent a large portion of his life in prison and grew up in a poor economic situation prior to that. Henry is still young, so he has his own kind of unique voice. Henry's guardian is a lawyer with, you know, an affluent background. So he, so everyone has their own, you know, their own way of speaking, their own history uh, that ties into how they, how they speak um, and how they act. So, yeah, but for, to answer your question directly, yeah, I definitely hear them, the voices in my head. And when you're writing screenplays, so much of what you're writing is, the dialogue is such a huge part of what you're writing. And... So I, you have to kind of like really kind of get, hone that skill of listening to people talk in your head and, and writing the way they're talking, both like their mannerisms, they, their tics, um, the, you know, the words they use, you know, how they, without getting too over the top about it because you don't want to distract the reader. You want it to seem very natural. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I've, I've just kind of like is a, is a skill I either had or have, you know, developed, but... But that's something that um, is the that's the way I have to do it. Is I have to visualize everything and then kind of write what I what I see. And I'll add to that something that I do a lot of, which I have learned, which has become a skill that I've developed reading a lot of other writers and kind of that kind of stuff. Is I try to be very visceral with my prose and with my situations. I you know I subtly you wouldn't notice it unless I pointed it out most likely, but I. I uh, I refer to way maybe something the texture of something feels or how something smells or what it sounds like in this in this room or little things like that can really draw a reader's imagination into the scene and um, and so I try to kind of implement a lot of that throughout my work as well because I really want readers to feel the impact of of what they're reading if somebody's hurt I want them to feel that hurt if you know they're if the car hits a wall I want them to feel the impact of that so. So I try to kind of do that as well. So I'm kind of all sensory mode when I'm writing. So have you been hearing these voices a lot in your head? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and to, and to, you know, do they tell you to do things? You don't, you know, you're not doing this while you're driving, are you, or anything? You know, you don't wake up in the middle of the night with a shovel by by the bed, do you? The key is to know which voices to listen to and which voices to ignore. That's the key. Uh, <laughs> and to make sure you never answer them out loud. That's the other thing I've learned. Well, you could walk around in the mall and nobody would notice. Yeah, nowadays with the earbuds and everything, you never know. I never know if somebody's crazy or like on the phone. Yeah, yeah, I know. I want to stay home. I just don't want to go out anymore. I'm getting old. It's terrible. Anyway, um, well, that's it's, it's kind of an interesting process. So, do do your um, when you when you're kind of covering this and you and you're you're really kind of getting into the describing, you know, the, the situation, like maybe the smells, the taste, the, you could feel the, the crash in the wall, the thud, you know, you're kind of getting into all this stuff like this. What's your writing process like? Do you sort of have to be isolated alone in a, in a, in a room somewhere or in a basement and nobody around, or can you do it with lots of activity going on? Um, I would say I certainly favor... Uh, you know, the former. I, I like definitely being secluded. I like being in my, you know, my office and, um, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the creepy, usually some sort of creepy soundtrack on or some music or classical music or something that hits the mood of what I'm writing. Um, nothing with vocals. I can't do vocals and write at the same time. Um, so no, I, I do like to be isolated. I, um, and, you know, I think the writing, you know, process changes depending on what I'm writing. So, for example, if I'm if I'm writing um, if I'm writing something uh, like a story or, or maybe even like a screenplay or or you know or even maybe part of a novel, it, some days it's like heavy lifting, right? Like every word feels like you're picking up a stone and moving it to like moving it over, you know, to the other another patch of land or something. It's like it's just it, every word feels like a weight, and and you just have to like. You have to just be determined to keep going and keep plowing through and keep pushing forward. And those days are hard, but you try and get your word count in and you just try and do do the best you can. And if you need to, the thing that's interesting is you, sometimes when you're writing like that and, and it's the, when you're, when it's going that way, you feel like, oh my God, this is so slow. And I'm just like, I can't, you know, this is, and, um, and this process is taking such a long time and I, it's got to read so boring. And then you, read it and you realize it actually sounds pretty good because you know you the reader doesn't know how long it took you to write a sentence you know they just you know they're reading the same pace as they read everything else so um so sometimes it's kind of a it's kind of fascinating to me that sometimes the hardest things to write are the things that read the easiest um but when i'm when i'm neck deep in a novel or a scene um sometimes it gets a little like uh where it's you know i'm I'm locked in, you know, pretty good. And I will be just, I'll kind of just write straight for, you know, three, four hours. And, um, you know, I've had, I've been writing and had my, you know, wife walk into my office and I'm, she's like, you know, God, how can you be in here? It's like a hundred degrees. And I'll be like, you know, sweating and, you know, like my jaw clenched and, you know, and, and staring at the, you know, at the monitor like a madman because you just, you get carried away. Um, and those are the best moments, you know, those are the great moments when, you know, I wrote a novel called uh, Boys in the Valley that's coming out next June and, or sorry, next July. And, um, and I wrote the last 10,000 words of that novel in like one sitting. Um, 
I just was feverish about it, and uh, it's a great feeling. It, you end up doing a lot of rewriting <laughs> when, when you write like that, but um, but that's but yeah. So kind of it kind of varies uh, depending on you know how the how the flow is going that day. But um, but I try and make sure I get some time definitely uh, in either way so that I get I get to make some progress. Mm. Your wife is still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, my poor wife. I mean, I can't, you know, writers' wives and husbands are, mm-hmm. you know, angels from heaven because we are not an easy bunch. To, you know, writers are not an easy bunch to live with. We're overly sensitive. We, we're, you know, we're, we're cynical. We're depressed. We're anxious all the time. You know, <laughs> we live in our heads a lot. And uh, God bless them. You know, they, they're always, my wife is very supportive, thank goodness. I, I wonder now, so when you say you, you've really, um, big on the outline and being structured, yeah. but you seem to have moments or even hours where you get into the story in your head and you're writing and stuff. So when it comes to writing the story, do you have to be in a certain mood? Does it have to strike you at the right time? Or do you, do you I mean, because can you plan this? Can you just go, okay, well, you know, I, all next week there's nobody here at the house. I can I can write all day and all this. Or does that work for you? Um, no, for sure. I definitely have moments where I'm planning ahead. Um, and you know, that's part of what, what I was saying earlier when I was saying that I over structure or I over outline is so that I can have those moments where I can just write and write and write. Cause I don't need to, you know, I, I don't like having to worry about the story, which sounds a little odd, but when I'm writing, I like to worry about telling the story. And um, so that allows me to have those kind of moments where I can just go, go, go. Like, can you just uh, can you just plan your day and say, okay, well, well, tomorrow I'm going to write from nine to five. There's nobody here. House is quiet. You know, wife's out having an affair, whatever. And can you just sort of sit down and write at that lot at time? Or when you sit down, if you're not in the in in the mood to write, can you still write? And that's it. Yeah. And so what I was, I do plan ahead. So. For, for instance, if I know I have a big, you know, set piece coming up or a big scene coming up, you know, and I'm kind of at the end of my rope where I've been writing all day and I'm maybe a little tired and I'm worn out, um, I'll hold it off for another day. I'll be like, I'm going to hit this and, you know, hit the ground running tomorrow and tomorrow's going to be the day I, like, write this big scene because I know it's going to take me, you know, a you know, chunk of time to get it all down. And I don't want to have to stop midstream. I just want to kind of get it all out at once. And, yeah, like, there's um, sometimes when I have a big project like uh for example um i'm going to the, uh going to a convention in new orleans uh at the end of the at the beginning of november and and i'm taking a week i owe, i owe this big outline to my publisher for a book that i haven't written yet and but i sold them and i and i really need to focus on it i i just need to get away from everything because i have so many other little projects and there's things that just come up at home as you know everyone knows and so I'm just taking a week after this convention. I'm going to like Mississippi. I'm staying in this. My friend owns this old, you know, house in Mississippi that he, you know, only stays in a couple times a year. That's empty. And I'm just going to stay in this big old spooky house for a week, and um, and and write, you know, focus on outlining this next novel. So because I want because that so yeah you definitely have to do that if you know if you have the means and and the luxury to do those kind of things. I know writers who you know, go to hotels for three days or four days or a week to, if they really need to focus on 
hitting a deadline or something. So, yeah, I'm, the answer is yes on both fronts. Sometimes I, I plan my writing days for sure if I know I have a big scene coming up or if I'm near the end of a novel. Um, I definitely don't want – I want to have a full day uninterrupted because I don't want to stop until I'm done. And, uh, and yeah, and then when I have these giant projects, it's, it's good to be able to totally separate yourself from everything else. And just, you know, isolate yourself and focus on that one thing, you know, 24-7 without interruption. Well, you say, you know, you're very structured with outlines and such when it, when it comes to the novel. Do your characters ever take over? Do they ever go off the rails? Do they, do they kind of take the plot with them? Or um, do you feel like you're, you're in control because of that structure? I like to think I'm in control, but... It does happen. It, I, I wrote a novel called The Blue Butterfly, and that's my agent is currently you know, trying to find a home for, and it's a thriller. And I outlined this book to, like, it's a mystery thriller with, like, kind of um, time travel elements, so it's, the structure is incredibly complex. And I had never really written a true mystery before, you know, where you had to, like, seed certain things, you have to red herrings, you have to have misdirection and all that kind of stuff, right? And so you really got to have the whole thing, in my mind, for me as a reader. I'm sure there's some writers that can do it, you know, on the on the fly. But for me, I wanted to have everything laid out because I wanted to know where to drop those little seeds and those little moments or whatever. And so this was an incredibly complex story that I was telling. And I would say about halfway through, maybe a little past halfway through, I was writing a scene and the main character did something that took the story not in a completely different direction, but definitely, you know, veered hard right. And I was like, what are you doing? I was so, I was so, I mean, I was, I was literally angry. I, to the point where I, when I was done writing that scene, I went downstairs and my kid was sitting there, you know, having dinner. And I was like, you guys won't believe what just happened. She totally screwed up my book. And and I had to spend the next day, um, like refiguring out a bunch of stuff, you know, between that point and the end of the book, and kind of re, you know, redoing the the outline to a degree. So yeah, so it definitely happens. And I didn't, I didn't, as a writer, I didn't step in and say, oh no 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 no, get you know, get back over here. This is what we're doing. Mm. I said, all right, if that's what we're doing, let's let's do it. Um, but yeah, so that that literally happens, and that was the one example, like probably the only example I can give where it happened to the effect that I was like, I remember feeling literally angry and frustrated because that, <laughs> because she did something I didn't want her to do, um, and it messed me up. So, but for the most part, um, yeah, I, I I tend to stick to the outlines. I mean, it gets complicated when you um, when you sell, you know, when you're working with bigger presses, you know, the big five or whatever, um, mm. and you and you pre-sell a pitch or, you know, you have to kind of, you have to give, and you don't have the book written, you have to give them an outline and, yeah. and the outline has to be the book. You can't really screw around and, and kind of go like, well, I decided to change all this stuff and do something. You know, they want what they, they want to, you know, they want what they paid for. And I, and, um, and I think there's some wiggle room and you can kind of work with your editor or whatever, but for the most part, the outline has to be the book. And um, so you can't really, played too loose and wild with, with that sort of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, but for, and for the most part, like I said, the characters tend to, tend to do what I would like them to do um, and serve the story. Um, but it has happened where a character has taken over a little bit, yeah. 
Well, you could always just leave the country if, if you know, forget the publisher. <laughs> they don't like it too bad. Right. Oh, pay them, well. pay them back their advance. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote a book called Gothic, which is uh, coming out in February, and it's m- more of an old-school horror book, and um, and the main character is a writer, which is very – you're not supposed to do that as a writer. You're not supposed to write books about writers. <laughs> it's very frowned upon, uh, but I did it anyway, because whatever. And um, – and, uh, Anyway, he has this, he has that exact issue where he turns in in his in his case he turns in a book that was not what they had agreed to and uh, and chaos ensues. But there's like a possessed desk and a ghost and all this other stuff. So, but that's <laughs> so nobody really cares about that stuff. But anyway, that's all. And, but it was uh, it does happen. To Were us. you high then too? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the no the, the possessed no the no I don't know where I came up with the idea of a possessed desk but um it's a pretty wild story well do you have a fascination with supernatural or or paranormal and that sort of thing because it seems to be a a part of what you do a lot and um is there some experiences you've had or where does that come from well you you know it's it's interesting because i really love writing stuff with supernatural elements because it really um it really takes off the handcuffs you know it really takes there are no rules and the story can go anywhere and i i love that i love that a story can go literally anywhere um you know i wrote when i first wrote child alone with strangers and this is two agents ago um you know he wanted me to write it to take out all the supernatural stuff and just make it a crime novel because he's like look this is a great crime novel but why do you need all this crazy monsters in the woods and telepathic kids and all this stuff and i'm like because that's the fun part that's what makes the story wild and that's what makes it unexpected and and for me as a writer it's what i you know i want to enjoy what i'm writing as much as i want the reader to enjoy what they're reading you know so uh, i gotta have fun with it too so i but i love the idea of writing horror because and stuff with supernatural because like i said it can it lets you go anywhere and do anything anything can happen to the characters anything can happen to that world and um, and for me, that's what really like just the sandbox is, you know, eternal. And uh, and so that for me is why I'm drawn to it. I I, I don't necessarily I don't like you know being restricted by reality. Um, now that said, I've written books that are very much restricted by reality and that deal with very real human everyday issues. Um, but when I write genre fiction, um, yeah, I'd like to just kind of like really go go crazy with it and. And, you know, and everything has to serve the story, obviously, but I think people like it when you surprise them, right? I mean, we're at a point where we're also saturated with stories, you know, with streaming and, you know, books and podcasts and and all this stuff. And, um, and it's so hard to come up with something original. So you want to just have an original voice, but you're, you're telling a story that's been told before, and I don't, you know, shy away from that. You know, you're telling it in your own way. This is a Philip Fracassi version of, this story or whatever, but um, I think people like to be surprised and like they like to be caught off guard, and, um, and I think that's part of the fun of reading a horror book. Well, I'm wondering how, how did you get involved with uh, the horror community? Um, you know, I, I found the old Shocklines forum way back in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, how did it happen for you? Well, the horror community is an interesting community. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of different for a lot of different reasons, but. Um, but uh, I don't want to get sidetracked, but so I'll say this: when I got, the way I got involved was when I I really wasn't involved until I started writing. You know, I, I wasn't um, 
I wasn't really in that deep. You know, I was reading horror novels, sure, but I wasn't really, you know, um, you know, deep into like communicating with writers or you know that kind of thing, and um, or other you know other readers in the communities or anything like that. So, but when I started writing, you know, you want to connect with with other people who have been there and done that. And for me, the way it started was I was actually screen, you know, this was during my screenwriting years, and I reached out to a horror author because I wanted to option one of his stories for a screenplay. Uh, a, guy, a guy named Laird Barron, who's an unbelievable horror writer and crime writer. He wrote, he wrote a crime trilogy for um, Putnam. Um, and and through the course of him and I communicating and communicating with his representatives about optioning this novella, um, you know, we kind of became friendly. And when I wrote my first story that I mentioned earlier, Mother, I had sent it to him. I said, hey, what do you think of this? You know, it's my first kind of sh- shot at the genre. And he called me like, you know, a couple weeks later and, and we were on the phone for an hour and he was just saying, dude, you got to, this is great. Like, you can do this. You got it. This is a publishable story and, you know, this is something you need to keep keep doing. And I was blown away. I was expecting him to say, don't, you know, don't give up the day job. <laughs> um, and I still had like all my notes. And then he, and then he started, and then he proceeded to tear the story apart in, in all the best ways, right? Offering mm. criticism and feedback. And, and I still have like all my notes, you know, from that. From that and I take all that stuff very much to heart because he's a professional he's been doing it he's you know he's respected and and I'm not a I'm not one who shies away from from criticism and critique I love it if you can tell me something that's going to make my story better I want to hear it you know I, I decide what goes in and what goes out so ultimately all that feedback is sorted through and I pick the stuff that I agree with and I discard the stuff I don't but I never shy away from feedback but so I, I came friendly with Laird and then I published a couple stories and that's when I started getting into the community. I went to um, I went to like a convention just to kind of shake hands and mill around. And I had my little, you know, I had my little uh, chapbook with me, and I was kind of handing it out to people. And I had no idea what I was doing. And and um, but that's really how. And then I started going kind of, and then I started communicating more with writers online, and kind of get the social media thing going. And and it's been you know seven years now since I really started writing for genre, you know, for horror genre. And uh, and I've gone to you know, a handful of conventions since then, and I've become very friendly with so many writers. Um, and it's a wonderful community. The readers are so, um, you know, they're just, they're so into it. And there's, and the writers are so friendly and warm in this community and so supportive. You know, the, the one thing I was going to say about the horror community is I, you know, I, I write, I write um, guest columns for a, a website called Book and Film Globe. And, um, and the editor is a guy named Neil Pollock who's written a bunch of books. And, mm. And he told me, you know, I started writing horror stuff for him and, you know, um, interview pieces and, and reviews and stuff like that. And he sort of got, and he was very unfamiliar with the community. And he made a point to tell me at one point, you know, he emailed me and he's like, it's so uh, refreshing to see, to hear these, you know, things you're doing, these interviews you're doing, and to see how the horror community supports each other. He goes, you don't see that in other <laughs> writing communities. He goes, trust me, I know. And it can be cutthroat. And um, so I like to think that for whatever reason, uh, you know, horror is kind of like an open community. We're all very supportive of each other. Maybe it's because we're kind of like the, you know, we're sort of the black sheep of the family. You know, we're sort of the redheaded stepchild, <laughs> as it were. And I think, so I think we kind of like band together out of unity. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really great community of writers and readers. And, and uh, I, I, I've, 
I've, I've had such a great experience with, with everybody. So it's been a blessing. And, and I've had met people who have really helped me out, you know, helped me not just with the writing, but understanding publishing, understanding how to be a professional, understanding etiquette. And, um, and I listen to all that stuff. I take it all in because I, you know, uh, I really strive to be like a professional writer and I want to present myself well. Um, and, um, so yeah, so it's been a real learning curve. Um, and, uh, but it's been a, it's been an incredible ride. When someone takes home your book, reads it, um, what do you hope they take away from the book? I mean, besides the entertainment value or the suspense and horror and stuff like that, is there a subtext or is there something else you want people to get? You know, I'm not big into having an agenda with my writing, with my books. I, um, I know a lot of writers are. They're very into having an agenda, uh, having a, something they want to say, quote, unquote. And I just want to write the best book possible. And I want it to, to I mean, I, <laughs> I was going to say I want them to be entertained, and then you took that out of my answer. So, but, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, that's, well, that's fine. I think, no. that, I think well, because sometimes, you know, for me, I mean, I've, I've done 28 books, and I think that uh, sometimes I look back, and sometimes there's things that come, uh, get into the book. They get entered into the story without you knowing it. You know, it's just organic, and you don't realize it until it's done. So it, I'm not saying, I'm not just trying to suggest, okay, listen, um, this is, I have an agenda, I want to talk about whatever, racism, and I'm going to put this. No, not necessarily that, because you can do that. But is there anything maybe organic, or do you see anything that comes out of your books? Well, you know, I was talking to somebody recently, and I, and I was being interviewed by this um woman and she was in the the it was for an educational thing right it was, it was she's a teacher and it was for you know so it was a kind of an it was kind of like an educational focused interview and and she said she said she said you know what do, what would people learn like literally learn by reading her books and i said i don't think they're gonna learn anything like i think <laughs> i think i mean <laughs> learn, how to, learn how to tie a good knot i don't know and she, what she said was interesting. She was, but you're showing people, you're showing readers people that they may not have ever experienced, and that's learning. And I said, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Showing you different walks of life and different experiences and different voices, and you know, they're, and they're maybe you know seeing sides of personalities that they may not be familiar with. They may be seeing cultures they're not familiar with. And I think, you know, with with my books, I think yeah, that's probably the takeaway. Is I'm trying to give you. First of all, I'm trying to give you, an, frankly, I'm trying to give you an emotional experience. You know, I really, the the best reviews that I get, the ones that really, uh, that I really love seeing are when people talk about the emotional connection they have to my books, which sounds a little funny because I write horror, but, but I, but my, you know, I do, I do like people to feel when they're reading my, my stuff. And, you know, I want them to, I want it to be something that grinds, you know, into the heart and kind of sticks there. And um, more than, and, and on top of just being scary and fun and crazy and, you know, gory and all that stuff. So for me, I think the number one takeaway would be I would really hope that a reader would have an emotional response to a book I wrote or to a story that I wrote. That would be my number one thing. And then, yeah, too, I just, I want them to have fun. I mean, we live in such a dark world, you know, and if you can have two hours or three hours a day or where you're just not thinking about bad stuff or not thinking about problems or the economy or politics and you're just like 
enjoying a story like that to me is that's that's enough for me that makes me very happy i'm happy you know that's that's more than enough for me to give to give people well the, the um horror fiction boom of uh the 1980s kind of imploded by the mid 90s and it's, it's taken a long time uh, i guess to, to resurface into the mainstream uh from the underground do you feel that horror fiction today is enjoying enjoying a resurgence yeah, I do. I think it's a bit of a golden age, honestly. Mm. And I think it has something, I think it's twofold. This gets discussed a lot when I go to these conventions and stuff. And obviously we're all horror writers, so we're like, we're in a golden age. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is great, uh, but because you're sort of isolated. But no, but it, it is. The more people I talk to and the more I see, there's so much, you know, and when you look at like bookshelves and bookstores and when you see, uh, New York Times reviews, and you see those kind of things. You see a lot more horror, you know. And I think it's. Yeah. I think the three things that I would say that cause that is one, you know, I think movie. I think streaming has created such an enormous wealth of content, and so much of it is horror, you know, because yeah. it's frankly it's cheap to make, and you know, because you really just need to get the scares in there. But but there people are doing. Art, art, you know, filmmakers are doing really interesting things with horror, and I think they're showing viewers consumers that there's there's a wider you know breadth of stuff here than just like the zombies and serial killers there's, there's some really interesting stuff going on in horror and i think that has kicked i think that's kind of carried over to fiction and the other thing is i think that because um how easy it is to publish over the last uh, decade you know with with print on demand and amazon coming out so strong and all that stuff i think there's so there, there was like a there was a point where it kind of became oversaturated because everybody was publishing everything. And, but now it's kind of settled into sort of a groove, but there's a lot more, there's a lot more voices out there right now. There's more diverse voices, more representation for people who may not have picked up a Stephen King book or a Dean Koontz book. You know, there's, so it's reaching more diverse audiences, which is a huge, huge, huge thing. And then the third thing, which may or may not be true, but it's something I think is in a way to your point, Alan, the golden age, you know, the, was the 80s, right? And people like me were kids and impressionable kids in the 80s. And now we're all in our 40s and 50s. And I think there are, and so we're kind of that boom in a way of all the kids that grew up with Stephen King and Dean Prince right. and Clyde Barker and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and, and The Thing and all that stuff, Jaws, you know, go on and on. And that was like such a crazy you know, time for horror, and now we're all adults, and we're kind of going back a bit to our roots, and I think we're exploring a lot of those childhood impressions, um, and I think so that's kind of like, a, I think it's almost like a generational thing would be the short end, short way to say that. Um, so that's, but yeah, I do think there's definitely a horror boom right now, and I hope it continues to grow, because, you know, uh, high tide raises all boats, right? So I'm, I love when other writers succeed. I love seeing Barnes & Noble's having horror sections again, which they didn't have for yeah. ever. Um, so it's, it's been a really interesting time, for sure. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that movie? Uh, yeah. Well, I remember Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D, is re yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had a, no, they had a Jason. Part 3 was 3D. I'm sure. There was a th All these girls wanted to go to it, so I had to go. There was a 3D boom there for a hot minute, right? Like yeah. Like in the 90s, yep. I think. Yeah, it, it it always has a little spot once in a while, and you know. So, um, one book, uh, someone that's never heard of 
you before, which is really, frankly, hard to believe. But there might be a person out there that doesn't know what, what kind of writer you are. So if you had one book to choose to say, well, read this, and, and you'll get a good impression of, of what kind of a writer I am, which one book would you tell them to read? Um, it sounds like a plug, but it, honestly, it's, it's this novel that's coming out on the 25th of October, A Child Alone with Strangers, because for one thing, it's my first novel. So everything that I have out to date has either been short story collections or no, or short you know, novellas, which is a very short novel or a long short story, depending on how you look at it. Um, and those are all out there, but the reality is novels and novels are, you know, mountainous compared to short story collections. They're, they're, they're apples and oranges. Short story collections just don't have the reach or the, the, you know, or the readership of a novel. So I think this novel is a great gateway to my work because it's a big 600 page crime horror hybrid. It's a lot of fun, but I think it introduces you to my style of writing introduces you to my style of storytelling. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a very solid example of, you know, the breadth of my other work, you know, it's like there's some stuff that's a little more, you know, on the traditional horror side or on the, you know, the kind of, um, you know, more like, uh, the kind of traditional side of horror that you might think about when you think of horror. And then there's some stuff that's more literary. That's more, you know, like a thriller, um, I've written science fiction. So, you know, I write a lot of different things. So, But I think this is a good example where it kind of encompasses all those different elements of my work to date. So I'd say definitely start with the, this novel. And then I have a couple novels that are primed to come out in the next um, eight or nine months here. So, um, But this is, I think, the best way to start. Well, so how do, how do people find Philip? Like what, what kind of information do you want to give out here? Do you have a website, social media? You you surface on apps somewhere like you know Grinder or something like that or what? Where where do people find Philip Fracassi? Like you know, give us that information. Well, unfortunately, I don't do TikTok, and I wish to God I did because man, what a platform! But yeah. I don't dance, so. Um, but yeah, well, get your dog, get your dog, and sit on the screen and let him do the work. I have two cats, and if I can just get them to do some, if I can get them to do some funny stuff. <laughs> that might be the way to go. They're not funny cats. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're very yes. serious cats, so, so they're boring. No, I thank you. A website is the best way. I'm, I have a website is is uh, com, and I'm also on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can find me all those places, and you can contact me through my website, or you can reach out to me via any of those social media platforms. I love engaging with readers and talking to folks, so... Um, those are all good ways to, to find me if you want to find me. And my work is everywhere. It's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, you know, all the usual places. Well, of course, and we'll have everything up on our website so people can find it and find you easily. We'll even put your phone number up. Please, and my home it. address? Perfect. Oh, yeah, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> give it to you. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. So now the book we've been talking about is A Child Alone with Strangers, a novel. And it's uh, written by our guest, Philip Fricassi. So thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah.
Good luck.